0: When, when you don't want to serve, when you don't want to share what God's done in you, guess what usually happens in your life?
1: There's a lot of crap.
0: There's a lot of crap that hits you, and it hits hard.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast for people who want more, need more, and when it comes to their faith, desire more. The Salty pastor is designed so that you can go deeper and explore the point and purpose of your faith. This is why we do what we do, to encourage you, to inspire you, and most importantly, present the timeless truth of the Bible in a way where you can think about them critically and decide for yourself, just presenting those truths is most paramount (laughs) to us. So my name is Jesse mayor. I'll be your host and we can't do the salty pastor without the other voice behind the mic, Dr. Douglas P
0: yes, I am greetings everyone. It's good to be here with you today. I'm really enjoying this series and how we're digging into these issues of value and where our value comes from. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. We're in a series titled your life matters and we're really just breaking down who do we believe we are what's that most important truth about ourselves of do I have value we're in a series we're in a, a culture that's saying these things have value these things don't have value these have perceived yes. values these don't you know all of these different things but ultimately it's all these external cultural sociological mm-hmm. things deciding what is and isn't valuable and you Yeah, the whole point of this series is basically, there's only one thing that can really give you value yes, and that's God.
0: Yes. And that is why I think it's such a powerful series is because it's really addressing a core issue that everybody struggles with. And that Mm -hmm. is where does my, uh, value come from? How do I know? And I'm affirmed and Austin time we get sidetracked because we think it's some external thing that brings us value. I was talking to a really good friend of mine. Who's very successful, uh, back in the Midwest. And he was just talking about, you know, he's approaching 60 now and he says, even being in the ministry my entire life, cause he's been in the ministry his whole life. Right. He says, you know, I, I've just lived my whole life struggling with depression. And he said, because I always believed that boy, if I just get married, then I'll be happy if I just get a ministry job, I'll be happy. If I just get my own house, I'll be happy. If I get, and he kept looking at these, uh, images and dreams that if he got them, then he would be happy. He'd be fulfilled. He'd have a sense of meaning. And he said, I realized that as I continued to get those things, I continued to get promotions and I became more successful in the world's eyes that my standard sense of value just never, ever changed. And that's why he struggled with it. And so, you know, my main concern for people is that they experience something that most people never experience, And that's the conviction, not just the desire, but the actual conviction that your life matters, you know, that you have this sense that your time on earth was not just taking up space, but it was meaningful. And I don't mean the silliness that the world is always go out and change the world, go out and change the world. (laughs) And you know, you can't even comb your hair and make your bed kind of a thing. What I'm just simply saying is that do you have a sense that your time here on earth was really, truly meaningful, not just to yourself, but to the most important people around you?
1: Well, and I think um, along that same thought, you're, you're doing a, a, a mini series with our parenting coach, Kim Cross, mm-hmm. about parenting. And I think there's a couple points in our lives where we really kind of decide who we are and, and whether we're loved and valued, right? It's Correct. like, you know, early childhood, Very early, as yeah. we come into our teenage years, there's a huge discrepancy of like, well, who, you know, what am I, what am I doing yeah. with my life? What yeah. am I supposed to do? And then like, kind of like right after you graduate college, go into college. But then it's like, we almost kind of like as adults, we're like, oh, we've got it all figured out. We don't have to worry about that. Or we've, we've Correct. created this idea that we know what gives us value in life. And so we stop evaluating. Yeah. Yeah where we get our value from. Right. Like after, after kind of that, like I've graduated and I'm moving on to my thing, it's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm doing life now, so I've got to have it figured out. And so then it comes back to, well, we should be constantly wondering where we're getting our perceived value from. Right. We need to constantly be. Well, I would
0: say we constantly need to affirm the truth of where our value comes from because in the world we're going to be constantly, uh, uh, disrupted, distracted, uh, diluted. We're going to have all of these experiences throughout our lives through all these times, you know, I mean like, uh, like one of my best friends take in, you know, who's this pastor all these years. And he's like, you know, these episodes come up and I have to go back and remind myself, right. you know, I have to go back to these really it's deep not a core set, set it and
1: forget it. Thing. No,
0: it's not a set it and forget it. It just doesn't work that way.
1: So, I mean, the Bible explains our origin story to us, yes. and I kind of want to review what it says about who we are and why we're here. Mm-hmm. It says, your life matters because God loves you. Mm-hmm. This is a value statement. Your value doesn't come from within yourself or from someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second point was, your life matters because God doesn't just love you, but is filling you with his love. Yes. His love is redeeming you, restoring you, making you whole, setting you free, and growing you strong. Strong, yeah. And then the third point you made last week was your life matters because as Jesus is filling you with his love, it overflows into the lives of those around you.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really where you start to see why discovering your ministry is so important. Mm -hmm. However, you know, the new Testament, Paul particularly talks about doing ministry, you know, working in ministry, serving other people. And then John, of course, the apostle wrote in first, second, and third John, the necessity to love and go out. And then James also makes the point that faith without deeds is dead. what, what good is it to say, Hey, I care about you, but ignore meeting the needs of your brother who's in need. So, you know, we have numerous early authors of the new Testament writing under the inspiration of the Holy spirit. To talk about how important ministry is, but I think what has happened over 2000 years is our concept of ministry has changed. And I think it's because of what happened in probably the fourth century. And that is early in the fourth century, you see Christianity was pretty much outlawed. Mm. And then what happened is in the fourth century, early on, there was called the edict of Milan and that was in 312. And what happened is it basically said that, well, we can't, you're it's not You know, it's not illegal to be a Christian anymore. And then what happened is is shortly after that Constantine then turned it into the state religion. And once that happened, it became professionalized. So people who were priests and and cardinals and bishops and all these kinds of things, basically they took the hierarchical structure to get organized because it was growing so fast. Uh, there was nothing nefarious about it. They just used the tool at hand and the tool at hand was, well, we got to get organized. And so we're going to base it on the same model as the Roman legions. (laughs) And so we're going to break it down that way. And then what we're going to do is we're going to give the different levels, different names. So that's why early on, that's how the Roman Catholic church was formed. But what happened is then ministry became professionalized. So, uh, what, what that ended up doing is now today, everybody, Subconsciously, makes a, a a binary kind of idea in their head that says, "Well, ministry is like professional, or it's a job, people or it's that a are career. Staff. It could be people on staff, or I might be a volunteer minister. But they see it is is a role that they go and play, which." unfortunately misrepresents what the new Testament teaches about it across the board. Mm. And that's what we're really trying to get at is that every follower of Jesus Christ is given influence because of what he has done in their life. You see, Jesus has redeemed you. His love is flowing into you. And when that happens, your life then impacts those around you. This is why in Matthew chapter five. He said, uh, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Hence the salty pastor I was say that's a founding yeah. verse for us. He, he goes, Jesus says, it's not good for anything when salt loses its saltiness. It's not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So it's just like dirt, he goes on to say in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light up a lamp and put it under a bull. Instead, they put it on a stand, gives light to everyone in the house. When you're redeemed by Jesus Christ, then something, God starts pouring his love into your life and you're lit up. You mean you get lit. And so what's really important about that is understanding that it can't be hidden. It can't be hidden. He says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And so when Jesus is filling you with his love, you are salt. You are light. Your your spiritual DNA has changed whether you want it to or not.
1: So what happens when um, we're talking about, you know, God's love in us overflowing, affecting the people around us? Mm-hmm. What happens when a person has zero effect on the people around them or, or possibly even a predominantly <laughs> negative effect they're a dim boy yeah but... <laughs> what does this say about the love of Jesus that's pouring into their lives if that's kind of the not effect or negative effect yeah. that well that's causing? where
0: you know that's a great question because we hear now some of the more controversial statements of Jesus in Luke chapter 6 verse 43 he says uh, for there is no good tree that bears bad fruit nor on the other hand a bad tree that bears good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. People do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth. What is evil for his mouth speaks from that, which fills his heart. So. I think that's important to understand. He's saying that if your life has a negative influence and you don't see anything happening, there's no fruit being born in your life. Then there's something that's wrong. You know, something core, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe you haven't been completely renewed or started the process of coming from death to life, redemption by Jesus. Okay. And so you kind of have to go back and start that process over in Luke chapter 13, verse six, though, it's important to understand, uh, some people misinterpret Luke six forty three, and what they do is, and this is really popular in the church community when I was younger, back in the seventies and the eighties. Oh, I was
1: going to say in the early two thousands, or... <laughs> no.
0: In the seventies and eighties when I was young and, and so what people would do is they'd misinterpret this verse and they would say, well, look, you did something wrong, right? So that means you're bearing bad fruit and you're not right with God. And, and so it, it became a kind of like a A way pointing. Yeah. A way to say, well, you made a mistake and so you're evil. Okay. Mm. So we're going to, and so what they would do is, uh, is that it, it, they became very judgmental or legalistic type communities based on this verse. But in chapter 13, Jesus addresses the same thing again. And he tells a parable. He says, verse six, a man had a fig tree, which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it. It did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, look for three years, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any cut it down. What use does it have? It's using up the ground, but the, the keeper said to him, sir, leave it alone for this year too, until I dig around it, put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not cut it down. So he's saying is look, it's young, right? It's only so see people who are hearing this, you know, I mean, how often do you plant an apple tree and in the first two years you get apples.
1: I'd never planted an apple tree, so I'm going to leave that to your How about judgment. never? <laughs> never? Never, <Okay.
0: laughs> Never, yeah. You know, all fruit trees, they have to take root, they have to grow before they start producing fruit. Same thing in, th- in this situation is that there has to be a time of rooting and growing. And he's saying, let's let's fertilize it, let's feed it so that it can grow. So sometimes the reason why we don't have fruit in our life is because we're not feeding or growing it. Our spiritual Mm. self, we're not really tying into and grasping as we talked last week, how high, how deep, how wide is the actual love of God in our lives. We're not really grasping that. So, so I think that's really important to understand these principles that If our lives, if we claim, or we say that we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, then we either, and we're not bearing fruit. It's one of two options. One is, is that we don't really understand redemption. We don't really understand what Christ, the work Christ has done in our lives. We need to go back and we need to, uh, revisit that so that we know that we're redeemed by Christ. The Or the other option is we've chosen not to fertilize and grow, and so there's no fruit in our life. And mm-hmm. ultimately, though, it's interesting. He says, let's give it another chance so it can grow, but if it doesn't do anything, then we'll cut it down and get rid of it. So, I mean, what you're
1: really kind of saying is if you're not seeing any change in yourself, then something's not right. Right. Like you're, if you're not seeing active fruit spilling over into other people's lives, you know, if we're using this metaphor of water overflowing, if you're not seeing that, then it's something that you need to be working on, but it doesn't make you inherently evil. It just means you're young or you're not growing. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So. What can I do as a person to align myself with the Holy Spirit who wants to do that within me? The Holy Spirit wants me to be an overflowing cup that's yes. pouring into other people's lives. Are there things that I can do or that I'm or things that I'm responsible for when it comes to bearing fruit?
0: Well, yes, because every follower of Jesus has been given love and grace and this is what we're asked to share with others, and I made the point in the message last Sunday that when we talk about love, most people think about, you know, hippie power and flower, children, and and I go, no, that's not love at all. Love is real. Love is finding a responsible place and trying to walk and live in it. You all, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to do it perfectly every time, but what you do is, is particularly for men. It's not walking around, you know, crying at flowers and nice paintings and stuff like that. That's not love. What, what love is, is when a man finds his place in the world, he, he takes responsibility for himself so that he can provide and become what he's called to become finding his masculine heart. That's finding his responsible place. Mm. He takes responsibility for his actions. He takes responsibility for improving himself. He takes responsibility for his impact on those around him. He wants to contribute, uh, whatever his unique you know, wiring and perspective is he wants to, he's so, so it's finding a responsible place. So we have been put in a, you know, Jesus saves us and redeem us it says he adopted us into his family and then he seated us in the heavenly realms next to himself. Mm -hmm. So what that says is that we have been given a new family and we've been seated. That's finding we've been, he's responsibly established us. Okay. And that's, what's really important to understand. And then in first Peter chapter four, verse eight, the apostle Peter addresses this issue is like, once you're established, he says, look, above all, you must love each other deeply. So we have to love each other, not with feelings, not with emotions, but we have to love each other from the conviction of what's true or untrue. Finding that responsible place. He says, we must love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And this is what James talks about when he says, look, the law of mercy is always better than the law of judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then he goes on to say, offer hospitality to the one another without grumbling. Each of you should use verse 10 is a key verse. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So it specifically says each of us has received a gift from God as an act of grace into our life. So the logic is fairly simple and you kind of explained it earlier. I was created to be loved by Jesus, who is God. Jesus must first bring me back from death to life in order to receive his love. And I, I'm basically a cracked pot, you know, that has pieces laying all over and I need to bring that back, you know, and there's an old nursery rhyme that, that actually kind of addresses and people don't realize it says Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the King's horses and all the King's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mm-hmm. And so we say that, and then people are like, well, what does that mean? You know, well, if you really think about it, what he's saying is that Is that, uh, human beings have fallen and were cracked and all the King's men, you know, all the government, all the counselors, all the therapists, all the coaches, all All the self-help books, self-help books, all that kind of stuff, you know, is never going to be able to put you back together again. It's Mm -hmm. just not going to happen. And so only Jesus can bring you from death to life. And so what he does is he redeems you and he takes all those people pieces, reassembles them, and then he covers you with his love so that his love can pour into you. And I illustrated this in a message, uh, two weeks ago. So now I am become a living vessel where the love of Jesus, his grace is being poured into my life on a daily basis. And then the final point is this love becomes a wellspring that overflows, right? It starts to overflow out of my life. So out of the abundance of my heart flows my ministry. So if I see my ministry as a job, a chore or obligation. Then there's little fruit and the reason why this sounds really strange, but we, when we operate out of obligation or chore, we are doing ministry in order to get a paycheck, Mm. you know, I, I remember times in my life when I'm like, man, God, I serve you and I do all this stuff and why? Why am I poor? Why is this happening? Why did my transmission break? You know, right. I'm thinking, and, and so really it reveals the true nature of my heart at times when I'm serving God out of obligation or a chore, you know, and it's like, you owe me a break <laughs> right. kind of a thing. But what's really interesting is if you really think about it, if you operate out of that modality, instead of it flowing out of you, it's transactional, which this is the whole point of the verse. We are to do what we are doing to serve one another. And so it has to be motivated purely on the basis of his other people. So that can only happen when ministry flows out of the wellspring of my life. So if it's being done to get something back, then I'm doing it for myself, not to serve others. And so what that does is that allows me then to serve others out of the wellspring. I only can give what Christ has been doing in me so we're instructed to use our gift the outflow of his love not for ourselves but in service of others
1: so it seems to me the key issue is figuring out how to minister out of the overflowing of your heart yes. not as an obligation yes and what happens if a person is so unsure of what to do they just don't do anything i mean we see this in just scrolling netflix right when Mm -hmm. you have so many options and there's so many things that you could potentially do and you're not entirely sure what you are wanting to watch you kind of just get netflix paralysis and you just (laughs) scroll (laughs) looking at those stupid (laughs) thumbnails for an hour before you even pick anything to watch and then and then you don't and then you don't and so it's like because it's too late to watch yeah and then you're tired and you're like well that was a waste of my time yes and so it's like i could see that happening too it's like if you're having this overabundance and you feel like you could do a multiple things as part of an overflow for people yeah and you don't know what you're supposed to do you kind of get decision paralysis yes. right
0: yeah and there's a lot of psychology that's been done on this a lot of research has been done on this and that is that when people have too many choices they've become poor choice makers, you know? (laughs) Right. And so when you narrow the choices and as a matter of fact, I think Netflix, since we're on this thing is what they did is they wanted people to rate movies. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what they, for the longest time they had five stars, you give it three star, one to five, you give it a one star or five star. Guess what? Almost nobody did it. So they changed. You know what they have now? Thumbs up, thumbs thumbs down. Yep. They they reduced the choices, thumbs up, thumbs down and people, their, their response rate you know, went up exponentially. I, I don't know what it was, maybe two or three times. It's pretty amazing. The response all because they narrowed the choices. So I think, you know, it's really important to understand is, is that what, what we do is if we approach our ministry from the standpoint of look at all these jobs or duties or obligations that I could commit myself to. Then what we do is we get choice paralysis because of that, but we're starting from what I call a false premise. And the false premise is, is that my ministry is a job or a duty or a chore. You know, which one do I want as opposed to something different and that is, is that in reality, I only have one choice of what ministry is to be. And that is his grace overflowing out of my life. So where is this? Where's, where's it flowing out of my life? What's he doing in me? And then I couple that with my spiritual gift. And that tells me this is where you should go and do ministry.
1: Well, and I see, I see this even in my own life where, you know, I was, when I very first started here, I started serving in the youth ministry Yes, and I was doing middle school because Steve was like, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I need help. And so it's like, I was like, okay, well, I'll come like once every other week. Yeah, like I, yeah. I did it as a, I want to help my, yes. my, my An colleague obligation. and friend and friend. And it was like, okay, I'm here. But then it's like, you know, some days I'd be like, okay, I'm not feeling super great. So maybe I won't come this week. Yes. And the, yes. But then when I sat down with him and he's like, Hey, I don't need you to be here as a body anymore. anymore. Yeah. He's like, we've got that covered. So it's like, do you still want to be here? And I was like. Well, my heart's really for high schoolers. Like I feel like I, yes. I can I can pour into them more. I connect with them better. And since that point, when I it went from being a, I'm just here to help you out because right. you're in need to I have a desire to pour into these high schoolers, mm-hmm. and I feel like I have something to offer them. Now it's like I don't miss a week unless I really have to yeah. because of work or something. And so it's Cause like, Cause you love it. Yeah. Because I love it. I love working with the kids. I love getting to know what they're doing, hearing them talk through, you know, our yeah. small group stuff. And so it's like, that's the kind of change you need to have in your mindset is I'm not doing this just because pastor Doug begged me to come and help with blank thing on Correct. stage. Right. Yes. It's a, I want to pour into my church and into the people around me and my community because I, can, and I have the unique skill set that God gave me to do so.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting is that you find that you discover that when you focus on what, you know, what is God pouring into my life and in your situation, it was like, well, I connect better with them probably because that's how God poured into your life at that one point. Yeah.
1: When I was in high school, I didn't Mm -hmm. have a father and my youth leader taught me how to shave and my youth leader took me out hunting and it's like. Not all these kids have the same upbringing I did, but that was really impactful for me that someone would take their time where I didn't have a father to spend time with me and teach me about God and how to be a man and how to do things. And so in my head, it's like, I know how important that was for me. I don't know the the life story of every single kid I have as far as what's really going on at home, Mm -hmm. but I know it was hugely impactful for me. So Mm -hmm. if I can pass that on and make that same impact in somebody else's life, then
0: I'm, and that's I'm a real practical that. way to figure out God, how God's flowing into my life, you know, is that ha- is how you were impacted meant a lot to you and say, boy, this is how I received grace. And so now that's going to flow out in the exact same mm. way. You know, 30 some years ago, uh, like with, uh, that guy is telling you about he and I used to go quail hunting all the time. Okay. And we, we went out to this farm. There, there was this, there was this, uh, a ranch and this guy. Had a bunch of cattle out there and, uh, we'd go out there and we'd hunt birds. It was in the Flint Hills. And so there wasn't any pheasant in the Flint Hills, something about the gravel or something, I don't know, but there's tons of quail. So we would go down there and we'd hunt quail. Mm -hmm. And one of the things on this big chunk of property out there in the, you know, the, uh, the outback of Kansas, if there is such a thing. But we're out there is they have ponds all over the place, you know, cause they're just everywhere. And what was really interesting is there are two kinds of ponds that you would come up on and one pond. Usually the, they were a little bit bigger is they were filled. They had ducks on them and they had all kinds of fresh water and really cool life. And, and, uh, they were just, they seemed really vibrant ecosystems. And then you had other ponds, uh, that didn't have any fresh inlet, you know, these mm-hmm. other bigger ponds it would have a little crick or a little stream or something that flowed into it. And then you had these other ponds that were stagnant mm. and those things were just stinky, stagnant, rotting things, you know, and they had this green gr- gross stuff on the top and
1: slimy. it was and...
0: slimy and you'd walk by it and you go, Whoa, that stinks. Something's rotten in there. And that's basically what your ministry is all about. When we use what God has given us through his grace, we grow vibrant, strong and fresh. That's where love comes from. So in verse six of the book of Philemon, and you don't give the chapter cause there's only one chapter in there's the book of the Philemon, yeah, is it says this, it's really interesting, he says, I pray that the fellowship and the word fellowship there is koinonia, which means to give, to share. All right. I pray that through the sharing of your faith, you may become effective by the knowledge of every good thing, which is in you for the sake of Christ. Now notice how he phrases that. So he's saying, as you share your faith, it's a bit wordy in the way he writes it. But what he's saying is this, is that as you share your faith, fellowshipping, You grow in understanding of everything I have in Jesus Christ. Notice that he says, he says, I pray that you will come to a knowledge of every good thing, which is inside you for the sake of Christ. So Christ is pouring stuff into you for your sake and it's in you. But if you aren't participating in sharing that, then you're not going to grow, you know, and then you become like that tree in the parable that Luke chapter 13, where he says, well, let's fertilize it a little bit and give it one more year. And this is something that I think is really important to understand. I've told people this over and over and over. You come to Christ, right? And then you stop growing. And then you think, cause you asked that question early. What if a person is, doesn't do anything? So what did the vineyard owner or the vineyard caretaker tell the owner? He says, I'm going to fertilize the tree and see if it produces fruit. So what is fertilizer? A lot of poop usually. Yeah. It's a, it's like a lot of crap. (laughs) And so when, when you don't want to serve, when you don't want to share what God's done in you, guess what usually happens in your life? There's a lot of crap. There's a lot of crap that hits you and it hits hard. And it teaches you and it molds you and it gives you opportunity. Some people just get bitter because guess why they became Christians It's transactional. I want God to solve my problems as opposed to, I want to grow strong. I want to know who I am. I want to know what my code of honor is my convictions. And even if I can't live up to them, I want to try and I'm going to put everything I've got into becoming the man that I believe God is calling me to become.
1: So it's becoming more clear to me who we are is directly linked mm-hmm. to our ministry. Yes. The more I know who I am in Christ, what he's done in my life and is continuing on a daily basis to do in my life is directly related to what I end up doing with my life, mm-hmm. right? And on Thursday, we're going to dig into the reasons why life can be so draining and, and what we can do about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was what we had talked about doing this week. So... Um, I'm just really loving going through this because <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, it's really is just a constant struggle, but you know, as adults, sometimes we forget we're still struggling with it of does my life have value and remembering that it does and renewing that, that faith in that value yep. of that God has poured into me and is giving me love and then remembering. I can't just hoard this for myself that it needs to overflow and pour out into others. So Mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed this and I'm excited to talk about Thursday, about what we're, what uh, the practical applications of these things look like. And we hope that you guys join us on Thursday to um, discuss that and share that with your friends. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast.
0: Blessings.